Hey folks, I'm Kanan. I'm Andrew. I'm Logan. I'm Hayden, and welcome to Freyagenstein. Oh, Hayden, <laughs> what, what was that? I don't know. What, what, what are you talking about? Uh, you know what? Just, just continue. Okay, so today we're talking about artificial intelligence. What is this artificial intelligence you speak of? I'm pretty sure that's just the blue lady from Halo. Good question. It is said to that is hard to define. Wikipedia defines artificial intelligence as intelligence shown by machines, but we need to dig much deeper than that. In the quest for artificial intelligence, Nils Nilsson, who is a professor in Stanford University AI Center for over 20 years, defines AI as being the activity devoted to making machines intelligent. And intelligence is that quality that enables an entity to function appropriately and with foresight in its environment. Oh, so that's basically Amazon Alexa right there. Yeah, pretty much. So there's three types of artificial intelligence. There's narrow, general, and super. Artificial narrow intelligence, according to what is narrow, general, and super artificial intelligence by D Ben Dickinson, artificial narrow intelligence is the only AI that humanity has achieved so far. Artificial narrow intelligence is great at performing a single task. These tasks could include playing chess or Go, making sales predictions, purchase suggestions, and weather forecasts. Artificial general intelligence is the type of AI that can understand and think like a human. It has always seemed hard to achieve artificial general intelligence, but we continue to think that we could achieve it sooner or later. And last but not least, artificial superintelligence is the type of AI that is smarter than everyone, including Albert Einstein, in every field, including wisdom, social skills, and scientific creativity. Thanks, Hayden, for the info. Um, I'm sure you know a lot about this topic. <coughs> anyway, uh, but... I'm confused still. What what exactly is AI used for? Um, well, that's another great question. Um, in Principles of Artificial Intelligence, um, which is another one of Nils Nilsson's five books on the topic of AI, he identifies eight uses of artificial intelligence. Um, and some of these include uh, natural language processing, um, which is pretty much just um, AI that can interpret and understand uh, human language, uh, with it, which if you think about it is pretty impressive considering how complex um, and sort of in-depth our uh, multiple languages are. Ah, so that's kind of like, that's, yeah, it's kind of like Siri on my phone. Yeah, well, that would be, that, that would be considered a um, type of language processing artificial intelligence. Um, uh, another use includes database management, uh, which is probably the most basic use of AI, uh, or w at least one of the most basic uses of AI. Um, and this is basically just taking all the tedious um, work of like manually entering data and arranging it, stuff like that. Um, another use would be automatic programming. Um, I know personally from experience that uh, getting programs uh, functioning and working properly um, can take a lot of time and trial and error. Um, ha so having something to uh, take a lot of um, a lot of like the tedious work out of that um, would be nice. Uh, another use includes robotics. Um, 
and this can go anywhere from I guess like battle bots to uh, <laughs> like those robotic <laughs> medical arms or whatever, um, which would really allow a lot more like precision and stuff like that. And then finally, the last example I have here, expert consulting systems. And this is basically just problem solving AI. Uh, some of the uses of an expert consulting system includes diagnosing diseases, um, evaluate, evaluating potential ore deposits, giving suggestions about organic molecule structure, um, and giving advice on the use of other computer systems. So really just a wide range of a lot of different stuff. Really, AI has um, hey. <laughs> a lot more uses than just eight. Hey, did you know, uh, speaking of uh, diagnosing diseases, uh, according to the article, uh, reporting of screening and diagnostic AI rarely acknowledges ethical, legal, and social implications of mass media frame analysis, I found that AI can already do some of the work doctors already do, sometimes even more accurately and efficiently. So for instance, it usually takes a few hours for a doctor to analyze a brain scan but a machine learning algorithm developed by MIT can analyze these same scans a thousand times faster. And in addition, there's, an, uh, uh, there's a machine learning algorithm that can be used to detect malaria. So like if you give it a picture of a patient's blood cells, it can determine whether that patient has malaria. So, you know, it's re really cool how AI is being applied today. Wow. That's pretty neat, dog. That was pretty cool. Yeah, so all these examples of just the amazing stuff AI can do really show that it, it's a very valuable tool for uh, scientific discovery and research um, and has the potential to um, really improve productivity and, uh, I guess, in the, everything we do. Um, however, a lot of what AI does borders on the line of consciousness. And I think that's where um, a lot of people have issue with AI, sort of being like almost human. Um, what do you guys think about that? Oh. Um, is Google Translate considered AI? Uh, yeah. I mean, in that case, uh, I'm going to have to go, regardless of however much I'm playing God or privacy invasion, I'm going to have to... Uh, Keep that Google Translate so I can get my way through German. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, frankly, I think AI you know, uh, can never achieve a level of consciousness that of a human. But uh, well, I mean, uh, I guess uh, I, I can see I that that could happen, but I don't think that's possible. But like, what exactly is consciousness? I mean, really, like, your brain is just, like, a, a bunch of, like, binary, uh, like, neurons firing in uh, certain patterns. So, if you put, like, could you, could you theoretically make a, like, a brain out of, like, I don't know, just, like, make one, like, on a computer board or something, like a breadboard or something. Just as a breadboard. Would, would, the beak, would, would it have consciousness? Would it be alive? Um, if you perfectly replicated the human brain with, like, something that's, like, like, you didn't, you just, like, replicated it with, like, like, maybe, like, on a computer or something, would 
it be conscious? Um, probably. I mean, it was a big thing. Like, I'm not even a really big thing, but a thing I was reading into a while ago on how people are really just trying to make AI possible solely for the ability to upload themselves partially onto it so they could still be like semi-conscious, even if like their human counterpart dies. As a form of immortality people are trying to pursue because, you know, our body's eventually going to die. So I'm sure it could be done. It wouldn't be too difficult. Just really big computer at this point. Okay, so it seems that we all kind of agree on what we have feelings for on a AI and we kind of all agree like it. But the question is, who's going to be at fault when it fails? Because it's a new new development, it's a new technology, it's a modern-day Frankenstein, if you will. It's a new big scary thing that could possibly kill people because we don't have a good understanding of how it works. It has the potential for harm at worst and a nuisance at best if we make a mistake. Um, a major concern of the computer scientist Stuart Russell uh, is that we might rush development and skip over several safety steps as we have in the past with other new technologies. You know, like medical procedures and drugs that end up costing people's lives or, well, honestly, the entire premise of using nuclear power in the first place. When we made it, there's like a 50% chance at our science at a time that I'd send the world on fire, but we kind of still used it anyway. And, you know, using that kind of negligence in our development is incredibly dangerous because right now we're still trying to decide what will we let AI reasonably control machinery and law enforcement, driving, policy, identification? It could simply just make too much damage if you make a mistake. Um, so the question is, who's going to be at fault? The developers, the consumers, or the company and the executives of the company trying to push for its new development? What do you guys think? Oh, I mean... Yes, users have the right to complain when, um, you know, AI, the results and decisions of AI don't meet their expectations. But, you know, when we consider it from the developer's side, you know, they, they, you know that's they're doing what, um, you know, they're going to say that the AI is doing what it's programmed to do, right? Like, they, it's not their fault, you know, that it made this drastic, you know, erroneous result. So... Uh, I guess this, you know, I guess it's like this all has to do with how computers only do what you tell them and not what yeah. you mean. And so, I mean, yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, like the AI is only the AI is 100% always going to do what you program it to do. So if there's like an issue or something, it's with the programming. Mm. So you're saying the fault doesn't belong to the developers for making like a failure to account for something and it's programming. Well, like, I mean, the developers would be the, the, like the easiest to point to because like, if there's like a glitch in the AI, it's going to be because the, like there's something wrong with the kit. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And so, yeah. And the user is like, is more uninformed than the, than the developers. So it would, it is, would be easier to, you know, Seeing as you are an uninformed user, you know, it's easy to point fingers at the developer. And I don't think that's um, uh, a fair argument, if you can call it that. Yeah, I mean, AI is ultimately, you know, like a human creation. 
So it's really like up to us on like how we use it and stuff. Yeah. Uh, which actually reminds me of a, uh, a quote from Richard Feynman uh, from his book, The Meaning of It All. Um, that quote is, to every man is given the key to the gates of heaven, the same key opens the gates of hell, and so it is with science. Um, so that's, that's kind of just saying that, um, like, AI is, is a key. So, like, us discovering AI gives us a key, and we can use that key to open um, a gate that will lead us to doing good with it, like we discussed earlier, you know, um, stuff like uh, improving medical systems uh, to get faster diagnoses and stuff like that. Or we can use it to op open the gate into, I mean, you, like science fiction stuff, like, you know, like robots rampaging around the earth on killing sprees. Probably not going to happen, but you never know, you know. Mm. Scary. Alright, I uh, think we have to go now for some uh, technical difficulties. Yeah, 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 yeah. The time is now, the robot age has now begun. Bow before your robot overlords. The age of humanity is now over.